up, everybody? Welcome back to another Raw Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, and I apologize for no SmackDown Roundup last week. Let me tell you what happened. This one's all on me. <laughs> I, uh, I broke my microphone somehow right before I was going to record the podcast. Uh, I, I bent the, the cord at the bottom, and I was microphoneless, and it was late at night, and there was no way... I was going to be able to record the podcast. I even tried doing it with a with a different microphone, like with the my AirPods and my other headphones. It sounded like crap. It was not good. And I feel like quality is important for a podcast. So I apologize very much for not putting the podcast out. But I hope that you all understand. Also, want to give a little bit of love before we start this week's roundup. Want to give a little bit of love to two people who left very kind reviews for this podcast on Apple Podcasts. First up, Shanester1974, who said, Great show, five stars. I really enjoy this show. There are so many wrestling-related podcasts out there, and this one is at the top of my list. It's short, succinct, well-produced, and great content. Thanks for giving this to each. Thanks for giving this to us each and every week. Ryan, thank you, Shanester1974. Really, thank you. As much as I appreciate the kind words, I really do enjoy you guys listening to the show. I enjoy the reviews. I enjoy giving you all something to listen to while you're driving, while you're commuting, while you're doing whatever the heck you do while listening to podcasts. For me, it's while I'm doing the dishes. That's when I'm listening to podcasts. But I don't, and driving. I'm, but mainly when I'm doing the dishes. <laughs> oh, I'm revealing way too much information about myself here right at the top. But that's that's when I listen to the podcast. So Shanester, thank you so much for the great review. Also, James Ryan eighty seven said this podcast is a must listen for me as a huge WWE fan. I feel like Ryan is just like me, where we both want to talk about the things we loved about Raw and SmackDown with our friends. Thank you for being so positive. And making it an enjoyable listen every time. The roundups are informative and opinionated. The interviews with the wrestlers are great. And it helps to get to know them as a person a bit. Thank you, Ryan. And keep up the good work. James Ryan 87 what a cool guy. Appreciate you saying that. Since I don't have friends I'm, list- I'm, I'm debating with like I used to in the wrestling sheet days. It's nice to know I got friends out there who are listening and they feel the same way as I do about some of these things. Or even if you don't feel the same way. I, I, I hope you're arguing with me, some of you in the car. I hope you have your own opinions and you don't agree with me on everything. And I hope you're arguing back with me in your head about some things. Not everything, though. Come on, I can't handle it. We don't, we don't need to argue too much. We're friends here. Let's, let's talk about Raw. Show started off with the Judgment Day out for an in-ring promo. Talk about their recent feuds with Edge and the Mysterios. And Rhea says that she's shown Dominic why she's his poppy. Priest hypes his match with Edge next week in Toronto and says he's going to send Edge back into retirement when it's over. This time, retirement won't be filming TV shows or whack movies. Retirement is going to be Beth wheeling you around, feeding you through a tube for the rest of your life. Damian Priest puts some more respect on money playing for God's sake. Put some respect on money plane. Come on. (laughs) 
Uh, I know my 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 fiance. She's a big fan of Vikings too. But he didn't say whack TV shows. He just said whack movies. So put some respect on money playing, Damian Priest. Jesus. Rey Mysterio attacks from behind and somehow gets the upper hand on all three once he has a chair. But as he goes to hit Balor with the chair some more, Rhea steps between them and Rey does not want to hit a woman. So he stops, which allows Priest to attack him from behind. And Rey loses control of the situation. They beat the crap out of him. Rhea DDTs him onto a chair. Um, you know, Priest and Rhea hold Balor or hold Ray down, and Balor hits a coup de gras onto a chair uh, on top of Ray, which looked super painful. Um, nothing wrong with this segment whatsoever. Continued continued to make the Judgment Day look strong, which I'm liking. But ultimately, this continues to help Rhea Ripley. WWE asked if Ray has met his match in Rhea Ripley on social media, and she's just to me, she's gaining so much from this by beating up male superstars. Uh, Dominic, now Ray, she's just looking like a total badass who is not following any of the rules. She's not even part of the going-ons in the women's division right now. She's just punking dudes, and I'm loving it. Alexa Bliss and Asuka with Bianca Belair versus Nikki A.S.H. And the Dewdrop took place after that. And one little thing I noticed that they pointed out on commentary was that Nikki is no longer wearing a cape. She's instead wearing a leather jacket now, which was said to have been a gift from Dewdrop. And I wrote here as I'm watching it, I didn't have a ton of notes. Initially, my note here is, this has been an entertaining match. And I, and I think that's all you want, you know? Like, this is, this is the opening match. It's not like something that's like, you know, something that is, uh, they're not throwing out a banger or anything, but I was enjoying every single second of it. I felt like, all four of these women had good chemistry with each other. The the spots were entertaining. Nothing felt dull. Um, I was I was I was enjoying each part of it, and I was invested in who was gonna win to go on in the tournament. Now I assumed it would be I assumed it would be Alexa Bliss and Oscar, obviously, because of everything they have going on with Bailey and company. But I like seeing that Nikki A.S.H. and Dewdrop were just kind of on the same level here throughout the entire match. Uh, Dewdrop even hits a brutal-looking Michinoku driver for a solid near fall, but misses a splash out of the corner, allowing Asuka to get her senses back and tag in Alexa. Alexa hits a DDT, tags back out to Asuka, who locks in a unique armbar-like submission for the win. Then Bailey and company sarcastically cheer them at the top of the stage and before they're before a brawl breaks out they're they're broken apart everyone pulls them apart nothing nothing happens too serious yet you gotta wait until clash at the castle um i like that submission from oscar you know i'm all for someone adding more signature or finishers to their arsenal so not, you know, doing the normal finish here was interesting to me. I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. I'm all for that. Theory returns to the show for a backstage interview with Kevin Patrick following this. And Theory just brushes off talk of his unsuccessful Summer Slam cash-in. Says he's wiser and more dangerous from what happened. And next time, he'll do better. Ziggler interrupts saying that he heard, excuse me, he's saying that he earned that money in the bank contract which is why people cared when he cashed in. Ah, oh, classic moment. Dolph Ziggler's cash in. Classic moment. 
Theory calls him over the hill, though, and says, after I cash in, I won't screw up the rest of my career like you did, which causes Ziggler to attack, and they go to a commercial break. I like the way this went to commercial break. Just nothing major, but from a production standpoint, I thought it was a nice little way to, to go to the break without you know making a huge thing of it. When they come back from commercial, they show more of the brawl, and you can see in the background what looks like Dexter Loomis's hand sneaking into the shot. Uh, more on that to come, but I, 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 yes, I spotted that. That was a tougher. That was a tougher one to spot. I also saw at one point. It looked like one point in the background they, there was a fire in a trash can, and maybe I was tripping on that and don't. Maybe I missed why. I couldn't even connect how that was Dexter Loomis related, but I did notice what seemed to be them putting out a fire in a trash can next to Drew McIntyre. I didn't know why. <laughs> Maybe I missed something, but I think I think it's more of the paying attention to the background stuff. Because really, with all this stuff and the show tonight and last week's show and what I've been noticing a little more is that the backstage area feels like a chaotic place again. I, I always enjoyed when the backstage in WWE had its own life. It almost felt like it was its own location. It was the backstage area of WWE. It was the sacred place it was chaotic, and something was happening around every corner if you just put a camera there. And I'm feeling that a little more as the weeks go on. Uh, when, um, so that's just, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. I'm, but I'm enjoying it. Champa and Miz backstage after the break. Champa talks about losing to Lashley last week and says he came to Raw to be a champion. So next time he gets a title shot, he'll win. Miz gifts Champa a Pokemon-like card with their picture as a necklace. Then they make their entrances for a match. Uh, the dichotomy between Miz and Champa continues to please me. They're so, they're, they're so different from each other, but something about it is working. And I'm not exactly sure what it is, what that it is. And I think that it is the fact that they're both two insanely talented individuals who can make anything work because of their talent. But something about this, like, because I don't want to say odd couple, because the odd couple is two people who don't really get along. And these two are getting along. It's just they're so different from each other, you wouldn't expect them to get along, if that makes any sense. <laughs> After that, they're in a match against Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali. Big fan of that pairing. Uh, Mustafa Ali and Cedric look re-energized out there in the finish. Ali goes for a 450, but Miz moves, and Ciampa hits a running knee to his face in the air. Then the fairy tale ending to get the victory. Uh, Ali has taken some brutal 450s lately. He had that one where he hits the 450 and then AJ turns it into the Styles Clash. Now this one where he goes for it on Miz, but Miz moves and he gets a running knee to the face. Oof. Not The 450 is not faring Mustafa Ali well right now. <laughs> uh, but I'd be very into Ali and Cedric teaming more. Both are in need of something substantial and the Raw Tag Division could use further bolstering. And, you know, I, I think that Ali and Cedric have a ton of uh, in-ring chemistry as it is from being opponents. They've got uh, in-ring chemistry clearly as teammates. Um, they're two super talented dudes. I want to see them on television more. I want to see both of them on television more for a while. So let's do it this way. Good idea, in my opinion. Good use of both. Drew McIntyre comes out for a promo 
to hype his match against Roman Reigns at Clash at the Castle. Says the reports that he's dealing with a little back injury are true, mainly because he's been carrying the load of 20 men for the past three years in WWE. That's why he's here on his day off to scout potential future opponents for when he defeats Roman Reigns and becomes champion. Then he gives us an idea of people he'd even like to defend the title against after he wins, including Ciampa, AJ Styles, Seth Rollins, and Karrion Cross. Yes, 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 and hell yeah to all of that. The Universal title needs to be re-split somehow. I need to feel like there's a top prize in the WWE Championship and one main character has it. The Universal title can be the attraction they want it to be with Roman Reigns, but I need the WWE Championship back. Raw has not felt the same since it's been gone. And yes, the way they've been building up the United States title has majorly helped with this problem. Majorly. In just a few short weeks, they've made the U.S. title feel prominent again. Big, big title matches that are promoted as big deals on Raw. I'm into it. But WWE Championship is the pinnacle. That's what I want. I want the WWE Championship back. I want a secondary title that feels important too, but I, I they need to bring the WWE Championship back. They need to split the Universal title somehow, and, and it's tough to do it. I don't know how they get there. It's going to be confusing no matter how they go about it, but I think it badly needs to be done. Okay, real quick, we're going to finish this segment because Kevin Owens comes out next, and he comes out hot. Before we dig into everything that Kevin Owens says, here's a quick break from our here's a quick commercial break so you can hear from our sponsor. Okay, so like I said, Kevin Owens comes in hot. His music hits and he says Drew acts like someone he's not and that he's delusional if he thinks he's been carrying anyone's weight around here. He then adds that he's never changed. He's Kevin Owens and he's as real as it gets in this business. But people may have forgotten what he's about since he's been having a little too much fun at work the last couple of years. Then he says, quote, there's a side of me that's been missing for far too long, and I miss that side. I miss the old Kevin Owens. I think it's time to bring back the Kevin Owens that people called the prize fighter. I haven't held a title in WWE for five long years, but enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Oh, Look it. Look it. Guys, that's one of my... Uh, I got so hyped. Kevin Owens is one of my favorites. Kevin Owens is one of my all-time favorites. Um, Owen Hart is one of his, old, is one of his all-time favorites. Um, but that line from Owen Hart, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. Man, I've loved that quote for so long. I think it's such a good... It's just like... It just gets me hyped. I don't know. It gets me hyped. Like I, when I started pro wrestling sheet, um, years and years ago, I even used that quote to like launch the site of, you know, what I was kind of like standing for what I, what I was, what I was all about at the time. And that was changing wrestling news and, and showing everyone that I could be the best reporter. Um, Times have changed. I'm no longer a reporter. I'm here as an analyst for you guys at Fox Sports. I absolutely love my job. I love everything I'm doing about it. But when I hear that, enough is enough, and it's time for a change. That 
line just gets me excited. So when when Kevin Owens said it, he just piqued my interest. Uh, I I just I got I got all hyped. Uh, then then Kevin Owens says he's coming after the Universal Title when Clash is over. Um, and Drew says uh, he hasn't been the the chosen one uh, in over uh, in over fifteen years and doesn't appreciate being referred to that way. He didn't call WWE after being released. They called him, and then he starts to list all of his uh, different accolades over the years of things he's done recently to show why he's a you know a top guy. And he says, uh, and then he ends it by saying, "Don't ever come at me like that." Again, just all of this got me so hyped, like so hyped. I was just like, yes, yes, yes to all of this. And then even like I'm already on the edge of my seat. I'm already like, yes, this is the, the, the this is how I want to see all the, both of these guys portrayed. This is what I want to see in my wrestling on WWE TV every week, just as I am feeling that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm lost in the moment. Drew drops a line that was awesome. Drew says, I don't care if you're a prize fighter or a sports entertainer or a superstar. We're wrestlers in a wrestling ring. Let's just freaking wrestle. Yeah. Guys, as someone who's been a longtime wrestling fan, a longtime WWE fan, I know one of those things that, that people can disagree on sometimes, or not disagree on, excuse me, that's a wrong, that's a, that's a, that's a bad word for it. I, I shouldn't say disagree. Disagree is the wrong term for that. Um, I think something we can all agree on is that, is that saying the word wrestling shouldn't feel like a, a sin on a wrestling show. We're watching wrestling. We're wrestling fans. We all love wrestling. Wrestling fans, so I just I've always kind of been bummed to make to make I, I've been kind of bummed to to be made to feel like wrestling is a naughty word or something. Um, you know when you're watching WWE, no, wrestling's not a dirty word. Wrestling's awesome. Wrestling's the freaking best, and I love it. And I don't I I, I understand the point. I understand the reasoning. I got nothing against sports entertainers. Or the word sports entertainment. But God, I love wrestling. I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And this was something I loved. More pro wrestling on WWE TV. Give it to me. Kevin Owens versus Drew McIntyre after that. These two beat the hell out of each other. It gets a this is awesome chant from the crowd. Uh, Drew hits white noise on Owens from the top row. But it's not enough. They continue to brutalize each other until the Usos interfere for a DQ. Drew gets the upper hand on them, though. and st- uh, Drew gets the upper hand on them, though, but still gets hit with a stunner from Owens. And Kevin turns around to the Usos to tell, uh, to tell them, uh, or to say to them, tell the tribal chief he owes me one. Uh, the Usos come back in the ring like they're going to gang up on Drew, but Drew's back up and hits the Claymore. Drew, Kevin, both came out of this looking awesome. Both of them gained from this so much. This show, and from this point, before, after, the entire thing, every single segment had purpose. It had meaning. It was building to something, building up someone, building towards something. Everything had direction. It felt great. 
it's a great it's it's just it just felt so nice because sometimes we can have our frustrations with things we'll watch it like why didn't they do this why didn't do they they do that and that's fine that's fine to be so invested that you think you could do it better I, i'm that's how i got this job but i will say it is fun just to watch and enjoy and not feel like there has to be a critique of every couple minutes of like oh this oh that and that's how i'm feeling lately um, and it's, it's, it's enjoyable. It's very enjoyable for everything to have purpose and meaning. And you can analyze what that purpose and meaning is. And we can discuss whether it is or isn't, but ultimately it's not like there's complaining going on lately. And I don't think there's as much to complain about right now. This has been a great episode through and through. All right. Seth Rollins in the ring, laughing about riddle after that saying he wanted a front row seat. For the, the original bro announcing his retirement. Riddle, unfortunately, plays a, a bad news maker for Rollins because he says he's been cleared. And the next time he sees him, it's on. Rollins asks if this will be like all the other times they've met. Which prompts Riddle to reveal he's not actually doing this via satellite. He's in the building. He runs out, attacks Seth Rollins, but Seth gets the upper hand. And tries for a stomp on the table. Riddle moves away. However, he hits Anita Rollins' face. And that knocks him into the crowd. And Riddle's able to chase Rollins through the crowd. All right. Well, Riddle's back. I was wondering what was going on there. Uh, It seemed like it had been a kayfabe injury. So I didn't know what was happening. Um, But it seems like we're picking up where we left off between them. And I'm, I'm still looking forward to their match. Hopefully that happens. A clash at the castle. Veer versus local wrestler takes place after that. Quick squash with a submission victory. But Veer is back in the mix. Veer has returned to the mix. Uh, Not a lot to analyze there. But still, um, I'm not someone who has anything against a good old-fashioned squash match. Dakota Kai backstage interview with Bailey and Io hyping her upcoming match. And they notice Dana Brooke, her opponent, off-screen. Dakota asks... If she's ready for their match, Dana says she's not scared. Dakota tells her she should be. That After that, we get AJ Styles versus Bobby Lashley, U.S. title match. And it's pointed out earlier in the night that these two have never wrestled against each other, which I thought was crazy. They both, they've both been you know in WWE for so long, and they've both been top guys. Um I'm kind of surprised that this was the first time they've faced off against each other. Uh, and AJ definitely made the most of it because that man sold all over the place. I was like, my, I was in pain for him at the selling he was doing because he was doing, he was like taking moves in different ways even. Like, you know, being thrown uh, against the, the, the turnbuckle post on the very bottom, kind of about being, you know, shoved under there, but he went back first and um you know a couple times where i was like oh that looked different um, that looked painful that looked how it would actually look if someone did that to someone and um and it was just little slight uh, variations of things but to me they were noticeable and man he was selling all over the place for bobby while bobby used his power-based offense champa and miz eventually come out to stand ringside and watch the match then dexter loomis hops the barricade while aj styles is out cold ringside. He's pounced by security, however, and they fall onto the commentary team. No mention is made of what's happening, 
and they cut to a commercial break. I think it's a better strategy acting like Loomis is truly breaking into these shows rather than calling him out by name. And I'm digging this slow build to whatever his beef might be with AJ Styles. Um, last week, it was kind of like, is that Dexter Loomis? But this one, nothing like that. No recap, no showing him. I mean, he was shown on social media afterwards. Obviously, you got to hype what's happening. But the announcer's not like pointing out, like, what's Dexter Loomis doing here? What's he got against AJ Styles? And instead, just letting it simmer, to me, is the better way of going about this as we do the slow build to whatever Dexter Loomis' introduction, actual first you know, introduction is going to be on television. Lashley avoids the phenomenal forearm, hits the spear, and retains the United States title. Great match. I want more of this. Um, I thought it was even. I you know I thought it was interesting to not make this the main event either. I think the form you know the old WWE strategy is just putting the biggest match in the main event. But I almost felt like they didn't do that here because they didn't want to make the ending so obvious for time and they wanted to have a lengthy match that was competitive that you truly didn't know who would come out in the end and that's what happened here even if bobby was the favorite going into it dakota kai versus dana brooke takes place after that short little match but sweet pele kick to start things off while uh byron and graves argue about which of the competitors is more of a veteran than the other uh, Dakota wins with her running boot in the corner. Um, you know, not a ton of story progression between um, Bailey and her team and Asuka, Alexa, and Bianca. However, what it did do was uh, reinforce their in-ring credibility. You had the tag match earlier, Dakota Kai with a sweet singles victory since they didn't need to have a tag match since Io and her had already advanced in the tournament. But it still reinforced their in-ring credibility. Three out of six of these women got that tonight. And so um, really enjoyed how they were still kept as a prevalent part of the show without needing to advance too much of the story yet um, since there wasn't too much to advance to yet. And instead, other some time was given to other people like Theory, who had been gone for a few weeks. And now Theory's back. He gets this main event match with Dolph Ziggler. Um, I'm just, I'm, I l- I'm loving these longer matches. There had been far too little of it these last few years on the shows. Definitely didn't always feel like the main focus of the shows either, uh, but that no longer seems to be the case under Triple H. And I'm not saying, you guys know me. If you've listened to me for long enough, you know that I like the soap opera element of WWE. I like the drama. I like the storylines. I like the TV show element. However... I also like wrestling, like I said earlier, and I, there needs to be a healthy mix of the two. And right now, yes, these have been uh, wrestling-heavy shows, but I think that was needed in order to send a message to everyone that our cries have been heard, and they're working on it, and they're making changes under Triple H as head of creative. There was a sixth spot where Theory does a roll-in from the apron, only to get caught in a fame master looked spectacular Dolph also hits the zigzag but theory kicks out theory tries to get uh, a rolling uh, excuse me theory tries to get a rolling um uh, uh what am I, I already did that one excuse me theory tries to get a roll up 
There we go. Whew. Someone's been talking to themselves for 30 minutes and running on empty. <laughs> uh, Theory tries to get a roll-up holding the tights. The ref sees it. Ziggler tries to take advantage by hitting the Fame Master again. But Theory reverses it into the A-Town down for the pinfall victory. Um, good match to end the night. Um, and I thought, like I said, I thought it was an interesting tactic to not make the U.S. title match the main event, but instead put two guys in there who had been feuding off and on um, and, you know, who one of them is the Money in the Bank holder right now and kind of, you know, one of the former world champion and just let them go out there, do their thing, and have an impressive match, which they did. It wasn't too short, wasn't too long. It was exactly what it needed to be between these two. All right, I'm done here. Uh, we've got to the end of the show. Before I head out there, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed to the out of excuse me, I was gonna say the out of character channel, and that's a little presumptuous of me. Go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find out of character every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific time. This week's episode was with Champa. We talked to him about promo psychology, talked to him about Triple H taking over as head of creative, and everyone assuming that he's gonna get some massive push because of it and a bunch more it's a shorter episode than usual so go make sure you check it out a lot of good stuff in there i think you guys will definitely dig it also make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast feed if you're listening to this i'm guessing that you already are subscribed though so if that's the case make sure that you leave a review or a rating like you heard at the beginning i'm going to shout you out if you leave one for me i read them i appreciate it super shout out Again, to Shanester1974 and James Ryan 87 the ones that I read this week. Make sure that you also follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and even TikTok now. We're on the TikToks. <laughs> that made me sound like Elias' dad they showed, or Ezekiel's dad, uh, whoever he is. They, 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 that made me sound old saying the TikToks. Um, but yes, we're on TikTok now. So go follow us on TikTok as well. I'm on Twitch, Ryan Satin Streams, where you can find me watching some old watch along content from way, way, way back in the day. So go check me out there. All right, I'm done officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another Raw Roundup. <laughs>